being here today to celebrate that Savior, one with another. We know the Holy Spirit lives within us, and we encourage one another on the journey together. Uh, For our guests, we're so glad that you're here today and have joined us. We hope that you've seen Jesus Christ in our midst as we have gathered around the Lord's table to celebrate uh, his resurrection, but to also sing praises to his name. We'll dig into his word uh, here in just a moment, uh, and uh, we're just glad that you're here today. Now, of course, we're hoping that if you're looking for a church home, today you could say you found it. We'd love for you to be a part of our Cross Point family, helping us share in that story of hope that is Jesus Christ in the various and, and sundry ways that we can do that. Uh, as Kel said, we'll hope that you'll check out a bulletin and discover a ministry you can get plugged into. Each and every one of us have a gift set that we've been blessed with by the Spirit, and we want to join together, use those gift sets to tell the story of hope that this world so desperately needs. We hope you'll join us in telling that story. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 this morning. I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. We'll be there momentarily. All of our texts will be on the screen, uh, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation uh, when we do get there. We're in the second week of a series called Seeing Jesus. Last week we talked about doubt. And hopefully in the story that we unpack, we revealed, for us at least, there are moments in life where we doubt if Jesus hears our cry, if he's actually listening to where we're at in life. Does he journey and walk with us? Because there are moments when we doubt because we may not can see him in the present. Uh, And hopefully last week we unpacked this idea that absolutely God hears your cry. His son Jesus Christ is right there with you in the mix. And today we want to kind of continue that idea by thinking about how do we see Jesus in our struggle? Because each and every one of us deal with something in life. There is some struggle that we have uh, that each and every one of us have to, have to deal with each and every day. No one is, uh, is immune, I guess, from Satan and, and the fiery arrows that he throws our way. Each and every one of us have something that we've got to take care of. But we lean into Jesus Christ to help us do just that. Uh, There is a class system, and I don't know if you're aware of that class system that exists not only around the world, but in our country as well. We've got folks who are homeowners and folks who are homeless. We've got folks on one end of the tax bracket and someone else on the other end of the tax bracket. We've got those that can win football games on Saturday and those of us that can't. I mean, it's, you know, it's all over the map. It's it's a, a, a moment where we reflect on where we're at in that process. Each and every one of us compare to the folks that are around us. Whether we like to admit it or not, it is actually there. The Jewish culture that we're going to take a look at today is really no different. There was a class system in that group of folks too during Jesus' time. You had the folks who who were the religious elite, those folks who knew scripture backwards and forwards, who were righteous in their own eyes and who kind of kept everyone else towing the line. And, and th- that was one, one, uh, one, one level, I guess, within society. There were also the noblemen, like the Herodians, King Herod and his group. There were those the kings that ruled city-states, people that had power in the palm of their hand. There were those folks who were merchants and made sure that selling and buying occurred within a community. Maybe they were goat herders or sheep herders. Maybe they were farmers. And then there were the folks who worked for those people. Then you had folks who had nothing. They were the poor of the society. They were the beggars, if you will, which is where we're going to find our character in our story this morning in Mark chapter 10. He was a guy that had been kicked to the curb. He was no longer needed by society. He had become someone that was really a nuisance, 
Someone that society had to put up with. He didn't have a job. He had no way to make money. He just sat on the side of the road outside of a town called Jerusalem and begged for a living. And with what little bit that he got each day, that's how he bought food, that's how he bought new shoes, that's how maybe on occasion, if it was a good day, he got to sleep in a bed. Uh, This was a guy that just had absolutely nothing. He was in a desperate moment. He was in a struggle in his life. And I should add that our particular character was also blind. I mean, can you imagine that for a moment in your own life? I mean, most of us wear maybe some kind of corrective lens. I mean, I know I do. Some of us should be wearing corrective lens when we get behind the wheel of a car. And I hope if that's you, I hope you're doing that here in the Dallas area. Really important. But for most of us, you know, with those corrective lens, we can see people, we can see color, and we can see God's creation. But imagine, if you will, our character Bartimaeus. He can't see anything. He is at the discretion of the people that walk around him and put up with him on the side of the road. He's in a moment in life, a struggle, if you will, trying to figure out what's going on and how is life going to treat him. He's begging and he needs something special to happen in his life. My guess would be like many of us in this room today. Because we've got struggle in our life as well, although maybe we can physically see. Maybe you're dealing with something in your life like, like a broken marriage. And maybe you still live together in the same home, but you're just not communicating well. Things aren't going like you had planned. It's not your hoped for outcome for your marriage. And you've been living like this for months, maybe, maybe years. And you're trying to figure out how do we get back what we had so long ago. Maybe it's your adult children, and you're watching them from a distance make poor choices in life, and you know to yourself, I I didn't raise them like that. That's not how I taught them to make decisions, yet you find them in that moment from a distance. That's how they're making decisions. And so you struggle with how to parent. You struggle with how to love in those moments. Maybe in your life right now, you're struggling with some kind of physical, physical ailment. Maybe right now you thought you'd be living life large, but you're really working through cancer. You're trying to figure out how to conquer this thing that lives within you. Maybe for you it's it's the idea that I've got to work through dialysis or maybe cognition issues. Maybe there's some physical thing that you're struggling through in your life right now. Maybe early on in your life you, you made some poor financial choices and so now you're, you're struggling financially. And in your chaos, in your crisis, as you look at the bills versus the money coming in the door, you're wondering how is this ever going to play out? How am I ever going to get a leg up? How am I ever going to make do with what I have? And in those moments, you and I, like Bartimaeus, we, we struggle. And we wonder, is God hearing my cry in this moment of stress and chaos in my life. But I think as we unpack this really short story in Mark chapter 10, what we're going to find is that Bartimaeus is going to teach us some things about trusting and having faith in a Savior who absolutely has fallen in love with you. A Savior who wants the very best for you in your life. He wants to bless you beyond measure. We're going to look at this story and unpack some things that remind us how do we respond when life doesn't turn out how we thought it was going to turn out. 
How do we live as disciples of Jesus Christ, living in the idea that God is enough, that Jesus Christ has done enough for us, and I want to be a part of the blessing that God has for me through his son, Jesus Christ? How do I live out a life that isn't everything that I thought maybe it would turn out to be? And the first thing that Bartimaeus shows us is that you and I cannot wait for perfect conditions in our life. We can't wait for all the things to line up that we hoped they would. Take a look at verse 46 in our text. Then they reached Jericho, they being Jesus, his disciples, and it's more than just the 12 disciples. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment a noisy group of people. Say with me, large crowd. Large crowd. Sometimes on a Sunday morning in this room, we might have 250, 300 people. And as you know, we just welcomed everybody, gave everybody hugs, and welcomed uh, the, the folks around us. And then we start singing right away after that. And sometimes it's hard to corral you guys. Sometimes you're a little noisy. And that's okay. We want to make sure that everybody's welcome. But sometimes even in a, in a structured environment like this, it's hard to get everyone's attention. Imagine outside on a dusty road, you are someone that society has forgotten about, and there's this large, noisy crowd. And we don't know how big the crowd is. My guess would be, based upon the text, that maybe a few hundred people, but we know that Jesus entertained crowds as big as 5,000 before. It's a large group of people, and you know how loud and busy that can become. Anybody ever been to the State Fair of Texas? Anybody? Yep. That's coming up pretty quickly. The odds of getting Jesus' attention are slim to none for someone who is blind, begging by the roadside, seated, while everyone else is standing and walking in this large crowd. It's tough. And think about the opportunity that he had in this moment. I mean, he's a beggar. That's how he makes his living. He's got the opportunity with hundreds of people in front of him, walking around him, to ask for a little more money. This could be his cash-in day. It may be a, a bumper day for him. But yet he's focused on one person in, in the crowd. He shouldn't be screaming for Jesus. He, he should be screaming at those who are walking to and fro. Give me a little of your time. Give me a little of your money. Help me out in this moment. And what Bartimaeus teaches us in this moment is that it is never the wrong time to call out to Jesus. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how chaotic, no matter how many people are in the room, metaphorically, it's never too late to call out to Jesus. Ever. And in your struggle, I want you to know that Jesus understands your stress level. In your struggle, he understands where the chaos is going on in your life. He understands the unanswered questions that you have to ask. He understands the hurt that you're feeling right now in this moment. Even in the crowd, he feels what you are going through. But for many of us, we we want to wait till all the planets line up before we call out, right? We want to wait till, well, let's wait till the next eclipse. That's a few years down the line, and maybe I'll have it all together then. 
We want to wait till they sing the right song for me at church. We want to wait till the, till the right person speaks to me. We want to wait till everything is just right. Because we know in that moment, that's when the answer is going to come. But what Bartimaeus reveals to us is the answer to the question. And that is, Jesus is the only solution. Jesus is it. There's no amount of money, there's no amount of friendship, no amount of relationship, no amount of whatever fill in the blank that will make it right for you. Jesus is the only thing that will make it right. There is no perfect condition. And Bartimaeus also reminds us that we need to concentrate on what we have, not what we don't have. And so many of us really focus on that in our life, don't we? Well, if if I had a little more money, I could make this happen. Or, man, if I could speak like he does or lead singing like he does or teach a class like she does. And we come up with all these excuses and about the things that we don't have in our life. We end up comparing our own issue and our, our weaknesses to those around us. And Bartimaeus could have focused on the lack of eyesight that he had. But look what he does in verse 47. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He could have focused on no eyesight, nobody cares about me, I'm going to sit right here and mind my own business. But he knew that he had ears to hear and he had a voice to speak. You see, Bartimaeus used what he had in order to connect and get to Jesus. Whatever small thing that was, whatever thing that uh, no one had really accounted for along the way, he used that in order to get to Jesus. And as you and I look around, even our own community, but worldwide, we are blessed so much, are we not? God has done so much for us, yet you and I make excuses along the way of why we can't call out to Jesus. We have a tidal wave of blessing in our life, even in the hurt sometimes, even when things don't make sense sometimes, even in the chaos at times, we are blessed beyond measure. But even in that, sometimes we get unfocused from Jesus. And Bartimaeus reminds us that we don't need to be swayed by public opinion. Too many times in our life, we listen to the voices that are around us rather than listening to Jesus' voice. We, we lean into those who might be the naysayers around us, talking to us about how the glass is half empty rather than leaning into the voice of Jesus. Let me look what happens in verse 48. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd is trying to get him to to be quiet. They've kicked him to the curb. They're trying to move him out of the way. But he will not be quiet because he knows Jesus is present. And he says, that is the one that can change my destiny. And I will call out to him. This guy is going through a tough season in life. He's got stressors in his life. He knew that he needed a miracle. And even though he couldn't see Jesus, he felt Jesus' presence. And he wanted to be with Jesus in that moment. And like Bartimaeus, you and I 
many times need a miracle in our life as well, don't we? We lean into to Jesus because we need Jesus to help and change our marriage. We need that to be strengthened. We need to rekindle the romance. We need to have communication like we used to have. We, we need to be better parents to our kids, to bring down the anger levels and the emotional levels and pour into our children like God pours in to us. We need Jesus to perform a miracle and help us overcome our financial crisis, to open doors maybe for a better job or make better decisions about our spending. We need Jesus to perform a miracle and interact with our adult children. We need him to place people in their lives that will speak words of wisdom into their ears so that they will hear the voice of God, even if it doesn't come from you. We need a miracle to leave the guilt behind from our own life decisions along the way, believing at times that we're just not good enough to be followers of Jesus when he's already told us that we are his sons and daughters. We need Jesus in our life to help us overcome the physical ailments that are occurring among us, whether that is fighting cancer, struggling with our mobility, our cognition issues, whatever might be going on, we, like Bartimaeus, realize and know that we need a miracle in our life. But you and I need to overcome at least three people that are around us many times in our life Like Bartimaeus, we need to drown those people out and lean into a Savior. One of those folks that we need to drown out and not listen to are the faith suckers in our life. People who just say, you know, it's really not possible for you to get to Jesus. You're just too messed up. You've done too much wrong. You're way too guilty to lean into the Savior. The rabbi doesn't want anything to do for you. I mean, really? Your marriage has been bad for years. You're still believing that Jesus can fix this thing? Your adult children are are going crazy. You're still praying for them after 30, 40 years? I mean, you've been addicted to that temptation that comes around and knocks on your door more times than you care to count. And you still go to church and try to surround yourself with people who say they care about you? You know, those folks we need to drown out. We need to say no to the voices also of those that would be our faith intimidators as well. People who try to bully you for the cause of Christ, they're a little self-righteous in life, they're a little prideful and arrogant about what they know about Scripture, and they try to put you in your place and tell you how wrong you are. And if you'll just get it right, when you kind of get everything together, then maybe you can come find the Savior. And those intimidators, again, in Bartimaeus' life, are trying to get him to be quiet. I mean, think about him for just a moment. He's blind, can't see a thing. He's seated on the ground. Everyone else is walking and standing. He's begging for his life income, and people are yelling at him to be quiet. Nobody cares about you. Imagine that dark world for a moment. Can you imagine how intimidating that must have been for the crowd to be telling him, nobody cares about you. 
Nobody wants to hear from you. You see, there's no one that cheers him on. There's no one that supports him. He's all alone in this moment. And I know that right now in your life, many of you are alone. And you're wondering, how can I get through this? But know that there is a God who loves you. There is a Savior who desires a relationship with you. And it's an an intimidating part of your life right now. It's a stressful moment in your life right now. And you do feel alone in the moment. But do not let the intimidators tell you that you can't get to Jesus. And the last group of people are the faith mockers that we've got to overcome in our life. Because frankly, sometimes following Jesus out in the world that we live in can be embarrassing. When you stand alone, when you're the only one making the decision about a certain thing, it can be an embarrassing moment. You see, Bartimaeus is shouting to Jesus and absolutely nothing is happening. He's sitting on the side of the road, screaming for the son of David to hear his cry and nothing is happening. The crowd is telling him to be quiet. They're coming over to him saying, dude, you're embarrassing yourself. Stop calling out for Jesus. He doesn't hear you. He doesn't want to be a part of what's going on in your life. And our faith equally can look silly to the world. Because see, faith believes God is doing something that hasn't happened yet. Our faith to the world reveals that God is going to do something that hasn't happened yet. I mean, think about a couple of stories from our Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. A couple of stories, initially Genesis chapter 6, a guy by the name of Noah. He's been called by God to, to build a boat. He's about 500 years old when he's called to build this boat. And um, by the way, it's never rained on the face of the earth, Genesis 6. And what is a boat anyway? I'm not exactly sure. But he does what God's called him to do. And depending on what scholar you talk to, anywhere from 100 to 120 years it takes for Noah and his family to build this huge boat. Now, can you imagine how intimidating that was? Can you imagine how embarrassing in that culture that must have been? People walking by, laughing at Noah, what he's doing. Oh, his God told him to build this thing, whatever it is. And there's going to be something called a a flood, whatever that is because there's going to be a lot of rain, whatever that is. It would have been like one of those stops on Route 66, you know, everybody on vacation, driving by, stopping, taking a picture with Noah and the boat. (laughs) They would have been making a lot of fun of this guy. But see, Noah knew what we knew, and that is faith means that we realize God is going to do something that hasn't been seen yet. Or Abraham and Sarah. I mean, Abraham has been promised the... There's going to be a son in your life, and through him, all of the world is going to be blessed. You are going to be blessed with a child. But right now, Abraham is 99 years old, and he still doesn't have a son. And he's wondering, is this ever going to take place? I don't think so. Can you imagine, in his camp, Abraham and Sarah go to bed, and all the other tents, the family is talking. Can you believe they're still talking about this? Do they think this is really going to happen? Because Abraham and Sarah knew what you and I know. And that is, God is going to do something that hasn't been seen yet. You and I know that that's what faith calls us to, just like the blind beggar and Jesus as they interact 
together because what we know from our story this morning is that Jesus hears the cries of desperate people. Jesus is leaning in to your cry in your life, your stressful moment. I mean, remember what the roadway looks like. Here's Bartimaeus sitting outside the city gate on a dusty road. There's lots of traffic because this is a hub for material and merchandise coming up from Egypt, coming down from Assyria. It's a crossroads. There's lots of interesting spice smells, food. The crowd is huge. There's a lot of noise. A lot of things are going on right now in front of Bartimaeus. Why? Because, see, everyone else knows who Jesus of Nazareth is as well. This is the guy who took a sack lunch and fed 5,000 people. This is the guy that walked into a house where a 12-year-old girl had died, and they both walk out together. This is the guy who, who reached down and helped a man off of his sleeping mat that had never walked before, and now this guy is jumping around and running and excited about life once again. And this is the guy who, have, who has touched people before who could not see, and now sight is restored. Bartimaeus has heard about who Jesus is. And he knows that Jesus is the one that can change his destiny. He can be absolutely different than the person he is right now. I mean, most of us have been a part of a parade before or watched a parade before. The noise, the band, the candy throwing, the kids, it's loud, it's crazy. And even in that noise, Jesus can hear Bartimaeus' cry. And he can hear your cry as well. He's leaning, listening, when in the middle of the night you wake up crying because you can't figure out how to fix the moment. He's with you when you're at that stoplight and your head is buried in your hands and tears flow down your face. When you're frustrated and you, you sit in the living room wondering how are we going to make ends meet. When you're around the dining room table praying with your spouse about your kids and the decisions they've made in life, you see, Jesus is with you then. He hears your cry. And now, in the chaos, the very people who are telling Bartimaeus to be quiet are coming over and saying, hey, cheer up, Jesus wants to talk to you now. And the whole time, Bartimaeus is saying, I would get there if you would just get out of my way. I've been trying to get to Jesus the whole time. You've been blocking my way. And in verse 50, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Now, some scholars believe this is a very significant part of the story because he throws aside his coat. He's sitting on the ground. He's got his coat, his cloak, his blanket over him. But when Jesus calls him, he lets go of that. See, a lot of folks uh, who are scholarly and, and do a lot of research believe that every town had a certain type of blanket or cloak that every beggar got. And it let you know that this was a legitimate beggar. It's not a con artist. It's not somebody just trying to get your money. So if you had the cloak then everyone knew, okay, I can offer this guy some alms. I can give him some money along the way, and it's okay. The city has declared he is actually a beggar. 
He's somebody I can, okay, help out. But yet in the moment when Jesus calls him, Bartimaeus throws aside the very thing that is his meal ticket. The one thing that will get him food for the night, new shoes on his feet, a warm bed maybe to sleep in. It's his meal ticket. It's the thing that brings him comfort in the moment. Which brings me to the question that I want to settle on this morning for all of us. And the question is, what, what is it that you need to throw aside in order for you to get to Jesus? What's the thing in your life that brings you comfort and you're just not quite ready to let go? When Jesus is looking at you and calling to you saying, come over here, I want to speak with you. I want to be a part of your life. I want to change your destiny. What is the thing that we think we just can't live without? I mean, is it, is it pride? The idea that I've got to be right all the time? I'm just arrogant enough that, that everyone else is wrong in the room. It's only me that's got the right answer. Or maybe it's anger and resentment from something that happened many years ago. Maybe, maybe the way your parents divorced and the way they interacted with you and you're still hanging on to that. Or, or maybe the way that your spouse treat, treats you and you're having a difficult time letting go of that. Maybe it's that addiction that comes around that brings you comfort in the moment. You feel good about yourself and you're having a tough time letting that go. And what, is, what does Jesus say in verse 51? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. He said, straightforward, this is the miracle I need from you. He didn't beat around the bush. He let Jesus Christ know exactly what he needed in life. And I think for many of us, we beat around the bush a little too much. When in fact, what Jesus wants to hear from us is is a confession. I can't do this on my own. I need your help in this moment of my life. I need you to relieve the stress, the heartache, the pain, the loss. I need you to provide for me. Jesus, I just need you to show up in my situation. Would you please let me know that you're there? Will Will you let me know that you care? Can I hear you calling me into your story? And finally, is a great ending to the story in verse 52. Bartimaeus reminds us to keep following Jesus when times turn out good. When things happen like you had hoped. Lay that blessing on Jesus Christ for what he's done for you. Because in verse 52, it says, Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see... And he followed Jesus down the road. Bartimaeus did go back for his cloak. He he didn't worry about what he was leaving behind. The only thing that he knew was, I'm going to follow the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who changed everything in my life for good. The most important thing for Bartimaeus wasn't necessarily that he got to see again, but that he could see Jesus in his moment. You see, so this morning, church, that's, that's what Jesus asked of us. Do you know that I'm with you in the moment? 
In your moment of stress, in your moment of trial, when things aren't going your way like you had thought, do you know that I'm there with you? Please know that no matter what the crowd is doing, no matter what is being said, that I hear you in your chaos. I hear you where you're at in your life. And I don't ever want you to doubt that you can see me wherever you find yourself in life. When you walked in this morning, you probably saw three tables around the room. And I want to encourage you during the singing of this song, I'll invite the praise team back to the stage at this time as we sing this song. I want you to be honest with yourself today. Many of us have things that we are hanging on to, and we've talked about a lot of that this morning. But I want to encourage you as we sing this next song that you would go to one of those tables, you'd get one of those cards, and on the back of it, you would write down the thing that you are hanging on to. That you would write down the thing that that you're having trouble with. The thing that is kind of keeping you out of communication with Jesus Christ. And that when you're done with that, maybe you take that with you as a reminder that you've given that to Jesus Christ. Maybe you simply fold it and leave it on the table underneath one of the crosses. Or you bring it up here and place it under the big cross. Just symbolic to say, Jesus, you know what, I've struggled with this, but I'm going to leave it with you. Because I want you in my life. I know that you hear me, and I want to release this to you so that I can move on and follow you more closely. That's the challenge this morning, church. Our shepherds will be gathered around the walls of this room as well, and my, my hope is, is if you need prayers, that you'll go see one of them and talk to them about what's on your heart and let them pray for you and over you. Let's stand and sing together.